Welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Your host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. Welcome back, everyone. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. I am Ryan Eras, and I am joined by Dr. Joe Boot. Joe, welcome back, and uh, happy New Year to you and to uh, to all of our listeners. Great to be together again, Ryan, and happy New Year to you and the, the family. And uh, yes, a happy New Year to all of our listeners who are joining us for our, um, I guess, our first twenty twenty three podcast proper because. We had something in the uh, let's say we had something in the in the um, in the tube for right. for last yeah. week during the Christmas break. Yeah, so now uh, now we're back. It is 2023. I guess if anybody needs to see a uh, a newspaper clipping, we could work that out for them with, with the date. But take our word for it. We're now officially in t- January 2023, and looking forward to uh, to getting back. So we've we've just gone through a uh, a several week series on the thought of Thomas Aquinas, and specifically some some of the areas where where we find the thought uh, deficient or problematic. And so we, thank you for uh, for sticking with us. That series has wrapped up. If you've got any questions, if there are areas that uh, that we didn't address things that you'd like to uh, to hear more of on uh, on that subject or any other, please do send them in. Uh, you can you can write to us at info at ezrainstitute.com and we uh, we always appreciate uh, getting your comments and questions and we will be uh, we'll be working to take take some uh, some Q and a sessions uh, in the in the coming weeks. But as I said, we've wrapped that uh, that session, that series on Aquinas. I'm sorry, and we are we're getting into a new series for uh, for 2023. We're going to be dealing with uh, the Ten Commandments. This is a uh, this is a perennial issue. It's an issue that uh, that has a lot of a lot of low level awareness. Uh, I'm not if, if that's fair to say, but it's something that. Uh, Really sticks in the cultural awareness, and we want to we want to take some time to to flesh that out and explain uh, the purpose of it, both in its original context as well as for uh, for society today. So, with God's help, that's where we'll be going over the next uh, next several weeks. And Joe, before we before we get into the uh, the commandments proper and the details of the of that. Uh, when we're when we're talking about commandments, when we're talking about law, uh, we were you were saying before the show that this is at root this is a, a matter of ethics. And why don't we start there? And we'll we'll deal with the question of uh, of ethics, the source and ground for ethics, and how we uh, how we arrive at a at an authoritative and, uh, I guess, actionable, practical, uh, ethical worldview. The um, the reason I think that we want to 
address the commandments is that uh, in 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 some detail at the beginning of this year is that uh, no thoughtful Christian I think at the moment would deny that we are we are in the grip of um, a serious crisis um, culturally and even in the church uh, w- with regard to morality and ethics and. Um, we have often talked on our podcast in, in the past about God's law. And at times we've engaged in a certain amount of uh, polemical discussion about uh, the role of God's law in society. And we've talked about the, the, the theonomic outlook, uh, a view in Christian ethics that takes a high view of God's law and the importance of it. And we've engaged in some of those discussions and debates. But uh, in terms of actually concretely looking uh, specifically and considering together on the show the, the commandments in order um, and reflecting on them, we haven't, we haven't yet done. And so I'm quite excited to, to be doing this with you for, for, for the next few weeks as we, um, there may be interludes for, uh, of course, um, certain exciting moments punctuating the year that we we are sort of forced by virtue of the situation to to address and deal with um but you know our plan is over the coming weeks to 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 walk through the 10 commandments uh a step at a time and to uh, look to apply them consider their meaning and 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 their relevance and this is not something strange that um we're doing because human beings from the time when uh, we began writing uh, and reflecting on the issue of ethics, uh, have been engaged in uh, thinking about uh, knowledge, um, truth, as it were, uh, aesthetics, so beauty, um, goodness, that would be the area of ethics, what what is good or right conduct, and of course, um, the religious root of life, which again is a subject that we deal with a lot on our, our program, the, the, the religious center of our being, the recognition of the eternal, uh, that God has set eternity in the human heart, even though we cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And actually, if you think about that, that was really the concern of the of the ancient Greek philosophers who, in the Western tradition, were the first to sort of begin to uh, commit these discussions, uh, these dialogues, these sort of dialectical, uh, initially sort of Socratic discussions to, of, of uh, self-reflection uh, to think about the good life, what, what is an ethical life. And of course, as human beings, we can't actually escape that. If we are human, and uh, all of the people listening to our show and comprehending it are, um, then we are inescapably um, not just religious beings at the root of our being in terms of our relation to God, but we're ethical beings. And um, we all, as we deal with ethical questions, uh, make a decision about the foundation, the basic presupposition upon which we are going to address the question of what is true, um, what, is, what is beautiful, what is harmony, um, and what is good, and uh, that's at least the has been the language of the Western tradition. Not that that's necessarily always the best 
categorization to adopt, but that's the tradition that um, Western philosophy has operated in. Um, and uh, none of us can escape it. So this is, again, one of those series where we, where we, we wouldn't be in the situation where we could say, well, this, this discussion about the commandments is for the theologian. Um, this is a peculiar uh, philosophical question of philosophical ethics. No, this is for absolutely everybody. This is the everyday question, uh, everyday question of, of, of right conduct. I like actually the way um, uh, M, the theologian Emil Brunner uh, summarized this. He said, um, we cannot make the smallest decision save in the light of a superior purpose, a norm, a commandment. Indeed, we cannot avoid having one supreme idea of purpose and order. Although this may be still very indistinct, and we may only be only dimly aware of it. Thus, it is true that man, although he does so reluctantly and does not admit it, actually always gives a reply to the question, what is the good? In the last resort, therefore, moral scepticism, like all scepticism, is a flight from one's own reality and a form of self-deception. Everyone who acts, everyone who lives as man with a human consciousness acts ethically, that is, he acts within the dimension determined by the ethical question. And so everyone is confronted with this, and so this, this series really is for absolutely everybody. That's right. It's a good... Uh... A good positioning, good grounding, maybe a little bit exclusive to uh, to dogs, but I guess we'll have to uh, to deal with that after. <laughs> so, so Joe, I guess uh, you know, one one summary point that uh, that we could draw out of uh, out of that introduction is that ethics ethics is an inescapable concept. Uh, everyone has some sort of ethical matrix through which they filter and process every decision and uh, how they weigh some conception of the good or the evil. Uh, take, a, take us from there to, uh, to specifically some of, the, some of the assumptions and assertions uh, that are made in, in the Ten Commandments. Yeah, so central to the, the Christian perspective on on ethics is, you know, when we think about a final standard of truth or an ultimate uh, presupposition, um, you know, in the reformational tradition, we would talk about the, the, the religious choice that everybody has to make um, about origin and meaning and, and purpose. And of course, for, for us as Christians, that is centered in the triune God of Scripture, who reveals himself variously in creation, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and in Scripture. And the uh, one of the first things we recognize as as believers about the uh, the Word of God and uh, the religious relationship to God is that the fundamental difference that's asserted in the biblical worldview. Uh, the fundamental distinction that's asserted in the biblical worldview is between the uncreated being of God and us as his creatures. Uh, and th that, um, that fundamental difference, that fundamental distinction 
meaning that um, God is the source of all meaning and and God's command word, God's word is also a command word. It's a law word, whether that's in the creation of all things or in the ethical commands that he gives. And so that his revealed word becomes the true source of knowledge um, for every area of human life and thought. So that's, that is fundamental to the Christian world and life view, a creator creature distinction. Um, and the then authority, the sovereign authority of the creator uh, to, to um, command his creatures. And we've talked a bit about this before on the show in, in other um, podcasts, but that, that uh, we shouldn't think of that command word purely ethically because there are that there is the, the command at creation to be, which is actually a promise command because it's a, it's, a, it's a command for things to exist, but also to continue in their existence. And because he is the God who created all things and sustains all things and governs all things and is the source of the meaning of all things, then his word is an infallible word. And uh, because of the religious nature of humanity, so we would reject the Greek view that it's ma- that it's man's reason that is the root and source of truth and meaning. Uh, often the the Western tradition has taken man's rational thought and and identified it really with um, human life itself um, and um, man's reason becomes the command word but in in the Christian perspective uh, it's the living God who speaks a, a a command word and of course that word is for our good and it's for our blessing because he is the creator he's the maker and if you want to know uh, how to use something properly, how to live, um, what right conduct or good conduct is, you need the maker's instructions. And so that takes us biblically to the commandments. And uh, we can, in a certain sense, can speak of all of, uh, of Scripture as a law word. It's a covenant word. So it concerns God's uh, religious relationship to us as human beings, and, and that's what it means to be human, to be um, a religious creature, um, homo respondens, a responding being, somebody who's responding to the word of God. That's the essence of the religious uh, nature of man as a creature, um, and that's where we, we find the root of our existence. And amongst the uh, the laws, the, the the commands that God has for creation, the norms or the laws uh, are in the, this ethical sphere of our lives. And anybody who reads the Bible um, and considers it carefully will notice straight away uh, that God um, communicates to us in such a way that he is to be seen as the ultimate source of authority. Uh and he commands things and expects to be obeyed. And on the basis of obedience comes blessing and well-being and human flourishing. And on the basis of disobedience come curses and uh, disintegration and uh, destruction and ruin. Um, because that is the way that God has ordered the world. And uh, we see a, a summary if you like, uh, a summation of 
God's um, moral and ethical requirements of human beings in what we call the Ten Commandments, um, the Decalogue, fundamentally. Um, and that Decalogue, those commandments are um, exegeted, they're, they're uh, prophesied about, they're explained, they're uh, Im- embedded in uh, narrative and in story and in song and in wisdom literature. Uh, of course, they're famously expounded by the Lord Jesus Christ himself on the mountain, on the Sermon on, on the Mount. So uh, they concern both our external conduct, but also the interior life. Jesus uh, is concerned to, to bring out the full meaning of God's commandments, of God's law. Um, and it can be ultimately summarized very simply, as we know biblically, uh, to love God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. This is a summary of the law and the prophets. So, you know, the first five books of the Bible are called the Torah, which literally means instruction. That's right. And uh, the the prophets are concerned to call the people of Israel back to God's law, God's instruction. And... Um, King David sings about the glory and the wonder and the blessing of God's instruction in Psalms like Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. And um, a father who's also a king in, in some of the wisdom literature, like the book of Proverbs, is teaching his son about applying that instruction. And the English word instruction is actually quite um, helpful, instructive, I might say, uh, in helping us think through the meaning of of law and of commandment because it literally means to be in structure and so for our ethical lives for our for good conduct for our moral lives there is clarity given to us in the bible about the ethical structure in which we have been placed this is not an amoral universe um, but it is loaded as it were it's directed it's it's preloaded in terms of um, its orientation towards god and his righteousness and his holiness and so there are consequences for living outside of that and there are uh, consequences blessings for living within the structure that god has established so that's how the christian would move from a general discussion about um ethics as one of the these sort of key areas that human beings have considered down the centuries of, of knowledge of, of um, so epistemology, how we know, know things, aesthetics, how we think about beauty and then ethics, how we think about the good. Um, and of course, the, the summation of all of those, how they find their root in um, the question of the eternal, the, the, the religious reality of man's existence in relationship to the eternal God. Um, and uh, and so so much of scripture could be um, in many respects, you know, when we think about the commandments, we shouldn't think just narrowly about the Ten Commandments. We should think of those as a summary. But uh, all of scripture is dealing with our um, in one way or another deals with this religious relationship to God fundamentally in the heart. And that's expressed in part in this ethical area of our lives, uh, how we live morally? What is our conduct towards God and towards uh, our neighbor? Um, And this is the central concern of the Bible. So we move from merely abstract discussion about trying to perceive um, what the the ground of the ethical life might be, which for the Greeks was 
um, generally abstracted into an uh, uh, into an ideal world of um, abstract principles and is actually in the Bible concretized in uh, specific commandments to a people covenanted with God. And th- then, of course, incarnate in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was truly and fully obedient to that law. Um, and that law for the Christian believer is not simply something external to us, whether that be in kind of abstract theoretical principles or even engraved on tablets of stone, but is actually engraved in the very heart uh, of the believer. You mentioned a, a couple of things there in that uh, in that explanation that I'd like to uh, to drill down on. Uh, first of all, that the there is an ethical structure to the universe itself uh, that is oriented towards God, uh, and you also used the phrase norms and laws, and we we acknowledge that norms and laws often go around together, can be mentioned together, but we also make a distinction between the two. Can you just uh, flesh out that distinction mm-hmm. and uh, maybe explain uh, sort of how how that relates to this? Uh, this assertion of the the ethical orientation of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So, w- when we think about um, God's creation and God's law, word is is calling all things into being, and um, His command, "Let there be." Uh, there are certain things that God has um, established within His creation, His law for creation. Um, which you and I don't have any um, choice in whether we obey them or not. Uh, so, for example, we can talk about physical law. Um, you know, you and I don't have any choice as to whether uh, we obey the the law of gravity. Let's say so. There are there are physical laws that God has has for creation and human beings have tried to identify those we've tried to um, by you know observation and by our experience in the world our concrete experience in the world we've identified uh, patterns and structures laws um, that are invariant and the physical world is 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 one of them and um, yeah if we uh, if if we walk off the edge of a cliff um, uh, then the um, the the law of gravity is going to apply every time you and I don't get a choice. We can't step off and say, well, I, I choose for this law not to apply to me today. Uh, or I, um, you know, it, or I choose not to obey it. The reality is you, you, you step off a cliff, you're going to hit the ground. Um, and that's true. Of course, let's take the, um, the bio, biological or bi, let's, that's not the biological, but the biotic aspect of created reality. Um, the way in which life, um, functions uh there are there are things that unlike stones um physical objects are living plants and and animals and uh, uh trees and so on and uh, there is there's a certain kind of life here involved and um this is true for human beings as well there is our, our, and the human body remains an, a marvel and a mystery but um I don't get to choose whether the 
the cells in my body are repairing themselves and following a certain set of instructions. They just do that, and I don't have a choice in it. So those we, we that's where we can talk about um, laws, one area, I should say, where we can talk about God's law for creation. But there's another kind of law for creation um, which has a slightly different character, and so it's more helpful to talk about norm laws, uh, norm laws. What's the difference between a norm law and one of these other laws like the physical laws or the biotic laws? Well, norm laws are those which um, we actually do get to choose. It's an area of freedom. Uh, we, we can obey or disobey God's uh, law, uh, God's norms in the ethical area, these special kinds of uh, laws for creation. Um, it's not that there aren't uh, equally consequences. There's consequences for disobeying a physical law. Um, we just don't have any choice about it. Uh, in the, the normative realm of, uh, of law, um, we do have uh, a choice. We, this is the area of, for human beings. There is, um, in, in, the, in, the, in the ethical uh, uh, aspect of our being, the moral and ethical side of our lives, just like in other areas of our lives, the economic aspect of our lives, the social aspect of our lives, the way we use language, the way we um, pursue and exercise our faith and so on. Um, there is a God has norms, uh, which are a special kind of law for, for these areas of our lives. Um, we're taught about them in the Bible, what, what the norm for, for faith should actually be, for example, in our in our faith life. Um but in these areas, in these normative areas, God's um, um, requirements, his commands can be violated. They can be disobeyed, not without consequence, but they can be disobeyed. And so that kind of points to the, the first question you had, which is when we think about uh, God's creation and we think about our place within it, and we think about it being a God-rigged world, um, we are, as human beings, we're born into um, uh, a, a structured, meaningful creation. Creation is meaning. And in this um, ethical area of life, like every other area, we, we don't give the world a meaning. Uh, we don't lend the world and creation a meaning. Um, we don't conjure up in some way uh, its meaning, mystically or rationally or any other way. Um, we encounter the meaning that is already there. And by virtue of creation, and we can choose to, in the area of God's norms for human life, we can choose to live in terms of it, uh, in obedience, true worship, or in disobedience, um, apostasy, idolatry, and both of those ways of living in God's in this God-rigged world have real consequences, and and Scripture speaks about those. Says that the way of the wicked is hard. Um, it tells us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So it re we're reminded in, in innumerable ways in Scripture how God's commands in this ethical area, which I'm saying are sometimes helpfully described as norms to distinguish these laws from other kinds of laws, um, carry with it our obedience or our disobedience carries with it um, real and genuine consequences for our lives. Um, because this whole creation, uh, we often say at the end of our podcast from Romans eleven thirty six, for from him, 
and through him, but also to him, are all things. Um, and Paul is telling us there that the, the, the essence of all creation, of all created reality, is from God. It, it exists through him and it's oriented and directed to him we are accountable to him in this ethical area of our lives and um, god's standards god's norms god's requirement for creation in the ethical area is one day going to be fully fulfilled fully realized for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the lord as the waters covers the sea he's making a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What an interesting statement about the new heavens and earth, that it's a place ethically where righteousness dwells, when God's purposes for his creation reaches its final completion and consummation. Hi, this is Andrew DiBartolo, the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada. I wanted to tell you about our Biblical Sexuality Sunday initiative taking place on Sunday, January 15th, 2023. Early in 2022, Bill C-4 became law in Canada, the anti-conversion therapy bill. Essentially, anyone who participates in conversion therapy could face up to five years in prison. How's conversion therapy defined? Telling a person who struggles with their sexuality and desires that God's design for marriage and sexuality is both normal and preferred, that is administering conversion therapy. In response to this, many pastors across Canada and the United States committed to preaching on biblical sexuality on the Sunday after Bill C-4 became law. Thousands of men across North America joined us in 2022. We also committed to preaching on the same topic each year on the anniversary of Bill C-4 becoming law. This year, that day falls on Sunday, January 15th, 2023. I want to encourage you to join many pastors across North America and Europe in preaching on Biblical Sexuality Sunday. Head over to LibertyCoalitionCanada.com, click on the Initiatives tab, and click on Biblical Sexuality Sunday. There, you'll find more information as well as a form to fill out after you preach a sermon so we can know how many churches joined us. We hope that the Lord overturns this evil law we will proclaim that God alone defines marriage and sexuality and that the Word of God is powerful to change hearts and minds. For more information, please reach out to us at churches at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Thank you. Uh, some, something else struck me as you're, as you're describing uh, this situation and as, as I'm thinking about the, uh, the whole realm of ethics, uh, uh, we we've talked before at length about how you know law is a law is something for for society it's uh, it's kind of, it's it would be meaningless uh, to have to have law codes uh, in a uh, in a society of one where there is no no culture mm-hmm. and no civilization uh, but it's uh, it's really interesting uh, just I, I'm reflecting here that all of our life, all of our life, everything about our life, as uh, as you've mentioned before, is uh, what's called coram deo, uh, lived before mm-hmm. the face of God, and this this is reflected actually in uh, in the Ten Commandments as well as you know throughout all the laws of Scripture. You know there are 
there are laws with sort of obvious and uh, inevitable social uh, implications or that can only be applied in a social setting. And there are laws that uh, that are really only meaningful between between me and the Lord. And there are laws that mm-hmm. that, uh, that kind of would uh, would be true in both cases. You know, don't uh, don't get drunk. I sh- I should do that. I should not get drunk on my own. I should not get drunk in public. I should uh, mm-hmm. I should not be a sluggard. You know, amongst my family or as you know, as a private single citizen, um, because this is uh, this is the way that God has made us and made the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't uh, I don't have a a question necessarily um, out of that. It's just it's interesting to to notice that both both the personal and the the social uh, aspect is. Uh, is covered off under mm-hmm. under biblical laws. Yeah, the, the the social aspect of human life is of course intimately related to uh, the ethical, mm-hmm. and um, uh, as it is to the aesthetic, because um, we can think about um, the beauty of the ethical life, um, the the sociability um of the of a truly ethical life i mean that's why we talk about people who are anti-social um is that in part uh their anti-social behavior is 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 uh, seen as being a vi- violating certain um ethical norms and standards so if uh if a you've you've used the illustration of drunkenness so if a, if a group of drunken hooligans are um uh, being rowdy and and um, perhaps uh, dis- destructive in the street in your neighbourhood, the uh, the the social life of human beings is being affected by um, the ethical behaviour of uh, those those individuals. Um, we can also think about the aesthetic aspect of the the truly righteous life, the truly ethical life, because scripture talks about the beauty of holiness. In fact, it tells us worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there is an aesthetic value. There's something beautiful about the life well lived. That is the life that's lived in obedience to Christ, which we can only do ultimately through the power of the Holy spirit in our lives. Um, but the beauty of the Lord that we're called to gaze upon uh, is of course bound to to the uh, holiness and the righteousness of God that we are made to reflect. So it is interesting how these different um, areas of law of normativity, uh, these these norm laws, uh, are um, bound together and interrelated with one another. Um, and of course, they ultimately find their root in the in the heart, in 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 the religious life, in in the reality of our because all life being religion, because of the fact of what you said there, the core amdo, that we're living before the face of God, um, whether, we, uh, whether we sit alone in our room and uh, we, we um, make ethical and moral decisions in our solitude um, when we think no one else is watching. Um, but God sees it's, it's in, it's in the, it's in 
that the the reality of our religious relation to God, we're aware of our ethical obligation, or whether it's in how we're treating our our family, our friends, our, our neighbours, our, which is, of course, the biblical definition of the neighbour, the other. How are we treating the other? And so God's commands ha- have a bearing um, on both our social relationships with human beings, our individual walk with God, but interestingly also directly our our, our walk with God um, and our actually our ethical attitude and response to God is oftentimes being defined by how we're treating other people. So it's interesting that when King David, for example, had committed adultery with Bathsheba in his prayer of repentance in Psalms, is it Psalm 51, I think? Um, He says, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Um, So... And we can actually, when we, for example, in another area of our lives, in, in the economic aspect of our lives, when we when we don't use our our increase, our our, our wealth, to give God His due, um, then the Book of Malachi tells us we're actually stealing from God. We are robbing God. That's right. So the commands, as you said, really fascinating, isn't it? That that, that there's the there's the the inward where I could be alone and coveting something, um, and then the, which uh, doesn't have an immediate social implication. There could be my failure to um, give to the Lord as He requires, which perhaps nobody else sees, um, but I'm actually stealing from the Lord. And there could be a, a direct offence against our neighbour. And so, God's commands cover all of this in the ethical aspect of our lives. It is uh, it is fascinating to hear this uh, this run through of some of the the interconnectedness of these different aspects. These uh, these aspects, of course, as uh, regular listeners will know, are, uh, are they come from the uh, the framework and the thought of Herman Doyerberg. Joe, are there any other? Uh, now that you've got me on this track, are there any other <laughs> significant uh, aspects that uh, where the where the ethical sort of my guess. Uh, conspicuously or uh, powerfully comes into play how it, how it relates to any yeah. uh, any of the other certain aspects for certain i i think it would be difficult to to pick any of the normative aspects um uh of, of human life that are not powerfully uh interrelated with the with the ethical i mean a couple of the couple of mm-hmm. obvious ones would be the logical the, the, the rational aspect of our lives. I mean, the reality is, um, and, you know, this not just Christian philosophers, but many non-Christian philosophers have been um, attuned to and sensitive to this, that um, much of our reasoning and our, 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 our philosophical system building and our, and our philosophical conclusions are actually driven by our ethical desires. Um, they're driven by the way that we want to live. And then uh, and in a certain sense, after the fact, we look to justify it. Um, I think it was Nietzsche, actually, who was quite candid and honest about this, that, um, that the systems of the philosophers are really um, justifications of their, their moral preferences. And so we cannot separate mm. our reasoning, our human understanding and the way that... Um, 
our, our reasoning and our, our rational life takes us from our ethical desires because there is no human being who stands outside of religious relation to God and therefore no one which stands outside of an ethical relationship with the Lord. Um, and that affects um, powerfully um, our, our thought life and um, the way in which we're so quick to want to construct views of reality, both in the philosophy and in uh, these various sciences, that will move us away, lead us away from God, shelter us in some way from God, put up a barrier um, between us and and God. Um, so that would be one, I think, powerful area. Another would be the way in which we use language, um, the lingual aspect of our lives. I mean, we can use our, our words for good or for ill. Uh, out of the mouth, uh, Jesus says, comes both blessing and cursing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, you look at the way our modern culture is trying to use words um, to remake reality, um, to to actually um, alienate God's creation from him and to be absolute, absolutely anti-creational, um, anti-normative, and to try and destroy God's order um, and these normative structures by by turning them on their head. So you think about um, modern movements for human identity, for example, and the way in which we're now manipulating language, uh, destroying um, the normative structure, the the, the law as it relates to language, um, and violating uh, long-established meaning within our use of language to subvert reality. So I would say you know, there's there's two really good illustrations, the lingual aspect, the way we use language, which we can use to bless and curse God and men, uh, or to uh, reflect God's good creation or to try and overturn it. And in the, the, the rational, the logical aspect of our lives as we, um, in terms of human understanding in this more, the theoretical area of our lives, the speculative area of life, um, we can we can use that part of our lives to move against God because we are seeking to justify ourselves ethically. I totally agree, and it's uh, it's reminding me, as you said, all of these all of these come to uh, all these different tributaries flow into the the root, uh, which is the heart, mm-hmm. and I, I expect that's part of the reason why Christ said that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, we, in the end, at the heart and the center of the ethical aspect of our lives is uh, that word love that you've just um, used and, 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 and centered it in the, the, the summary of the commandment. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, that in the, in the Johannine epistles, that God is described in such a powerful and simple way, not mm. in terms of the categories of um, philosophical speculation uh, uh, or or even sort of theological speculation about the being of God, but very simply, God is love. Mm-hmm. And those that live in love live in God and God lives in them. And so the next question becomes, um, 
for us how is that love manifest how is that love expressed um in our human relationships and actually the apostle paul is very clear about that in romans 13 when he says that love is the fulfillment of the law because love does no wrong to its neighbor to to its neighbor and Mm. um Mm. he goes there in romans 13 through a number of the commandments of the decalogue um uh, the of the 10 commandments and um he tells us that uh, that that love is to fulfill these commandments um there is of course a very unique way in which the lord jesus christ uh loved us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us that's how god manifested his love for us and that while we were still in re- ethical rebellion in, in utter apostasy in in total religious rebellion against the lord um got christ died for us and um expressed his his love for us uh and um part of um jesus uh exaltation of the law and the law of love um is interesting at the the last supper he didn't issue a new ten commandments but he gave them a new commandment, um, which is bound to the Ten Commandments. It's bound to the Decalogue, and it's a it's a further explication. It's a, it's a it's an outgrowth of them. He says, um, "A new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another as I have loved you." So you now have, because Christ is the living Torah, He is the truly obedient Son. He is the the perfect manifestation of God's righteousness and holiness. He is now our example. He's the one we imitate, the one who fully obeyed, who fully fulfilled all the requirements of the law of love. So at the, the um, if we might, well, let's, you, you mentioned Herman Doiver. He tried to kind of articulate um, the, the essence or the root or the very center of what this as the uh, the ethical aspect of our lives is all about and he talks about a nuclear moment what is that what is at the very heart of the ethical it is the love commandment to love god and love our neighbor as ourselves and mm. god is love so when we love god and love our neighbor we are imaging god truly as we were made to uh, as we were created to because god is love but we can never separate law and love in the way that a lot of modern christianity a lot of contemporary christianity tries to in this misunderstanding it tends to see love as some sort of um, elastic principle connected primarily to the uh, the sensitive or the emotional aspect of our lives the 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 the, the, the emotional psychical that whole element of our lives um that somehow love is just about working up feelings right um for someone um or something now of course the 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 sensitive aspect of our lives our emotions our feelings are involved they're they're part of it um but it cannot be reduced to that um the true love is not just feelings it's bound up in the ethical so we make a tragic error even as christians when we try and drive a wedge between god's law and god's love because according to scripture 
that these are bound together in an inseparable unity. Uh, that God is love means that he is a God who has a law of love. Um, it's also a law of liberty. It's a law of freedom because mm-hmm. it's freedom from slavery to sin. Um, but what God's what God says is loving. What he commands is what it means to to live the ethical life. It's not something that we can conjure up in our imagination, take the word love, abstract it out of the Bible, out of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then make it mean what we would like it to mean within our culture based on our feelings. God being love does not mean he has a sort of um, lazy, um, uh, magnanimous, senile sort of grandpa wish that everybody be happy in whatever they're doing, and that's what's loving. Right. Uh, it is the it's the love of God. There's, a, there's actually a beautiful passage in C.S. Lewis. I wish I had it in front of me, and um, but I, I remember years ago being so struck by it, where he describes what a what a an awesome what a what a almost a terrifying thing it is to be truly loved by the Lord, because He loves us so much that He cannot leave us as we are, um, and it's a it's a it's a it's a passionate. Um, unyielding, unwavering, inexorable love of God that will not leave us as we are in our sins, but is is bound to transform us into his image. And I think because we've so weakened the biblical idea of love into vague feelings of wanting people to be happy and tried to uh, drive an artificial dichotomy between law and love, uh, we've made a tragic mistake that is bearing real fruit in our culture now. I think uh, I think we should uh, look up that Lewis quote, and uh, we'll start with that for our next episode. That uh, that seemed that like be a promising great. way to go. Well, Joe, thanks uh, thanks so much for this conversation. This has been a great uh, great jumping off point, and we're looking forward to getting uh, getting into. Uh, the the concept of law more deeply uh the concept of or not the concept the the fact of the 10 commandments uh more specifically as the weeks go by but uh, this has been a uh, an excellent introduction well i think um it's an exciting few weeks ahead i i was reflecting on something that carl henry actually wrote um about 60 years ago now mm. when he said um the crisis in ethics will determine both the continuance of present-day civilization and the destiny of individuals within our culture. And um, I think this is why this is so important, what we're going to be considering in, in, the, in the coming weeks. And um, I agree, what a great place to start next week with a bit of a consideration of the love of God, um, as it's so powerfully articulated by uh, C.S. Lewis. We'll try and track that down for our, for our listeners. I'm really looking forward to uh, to that and to uh, the coming weeks. Though from all of us here at the Ezra Institute, we remind you that from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory. It's good to be back. Happy New Year, and we'll look forward to being with you again next week. Mm-hmm.